This is a Care Chronicles podcast episode with Miss Julian. Okay, so if you've been listening, you know that I've been working on an album for quite some time, and it's a resilience-based album, so I've been trying to create essentially like a musical guide to help parents and families and teachers train kids the core resilience skills that they need to survive basically the unsurvivable, right? Like those moments that are make or break moments for people or just the everyday stress and challenge of life. What are the core skills that we need? And I have like written and rewritten and then gone back to the research and right like this, I have, it's been like a four year process. Um, I almost feel like it's a dissertation at this point. It's like a musical dissertation of like, how can we help kids break intergenerational traumas? How can we do that? Right? Just at the same time, we're learning our ABCs. How can we learn how to develop these core resilience skills? You're listening to The Care Chronicles, a podcast about self-care, healthcare, and everything in between. I'm your host, Trisha Coyote. I'm a board-certified music therapist, and I'm currently pursuing my master's degree in mental health counseling. I'm also a creative, multi-passionate, nature-loving, many-water-sign forever student. Join me and guests on the show as we explore how we take care of ourselves and each other. Welcome back to the Care Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for this awesome conversation with Miss Julianne, who you've probably heard on the show before. If you've missed any of her past episodes, check them out. They'll be linked below just to get a background on who Julianne is, what she does. Um, she is an inspirational, kind, amazing compassionate, creative human being, uh, and I always enjoy getting to connect with her. Today, we're talking about the newly or upcoming release of her album, Resilient Child, which is such a labor of love. You can tell just by listening to the music, but you'll also hear today how she's incorporated research, her experiences as a music therapist, her... Um, own <laughs> own experiences as just being a person and put it all together into this amazing album where she's collaborated with other musicians to create songs that are accessible for kids and adults to help them learn how to be resilient and to learn resiliency skills. So you'll definitely hear her talk all about that today. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Like I said, I always love connecting with Julianne. I will insert some clips of her songs as well throughout this episode to give you a feel for what we're talking about. Uh, one of her singles is already out. It is entitled I Am Enough, and another one of her singles will be coming out this Friday, so check her out on social media and on Spotify or wherever you get your music so that you can... Um, hear those and the whole album will be released on September 22nd 
All right, let's get into this conversation. All right, Julianne, welcome back to the Care Chronicles. Hey, Trisha, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming back on the show um, because I know our last conversation, I definitely felt like was a cliffhanger. Um, so for anyone who hasn't listened to your episodes, go back and listen to them so you know what we're starting with today. But um, to start off, can you just tell the listeners how you're doing? Uh, like in terms of my health? Or in terms of my in general, life, in yeah. terms of anything like, you want to share, how am I doing? <laughs> you what know, I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah. So for your listeners who don't know, I kind of have gone through a long, epic struggle with some chronic health issues, especially around Lyme disease. I had a brain injury from it, and had a lot of physical issues, and you know, cardiovascular, neurological issues. The whole whole nine yards, and affected my brain, affected my heart, and in 2021. I was um, able, very lucky to be sent to a research hospital and was um, treated with hyperthermia to heal, to essentially bake off all the Lyme bacteria. And it was very effective. And, you know, my brain is really great. Everything's feeling pretty good. It's st I'm still disabled, right? It's still a long journey of weekly physical therapy visits and, you know, cognitive rehab, visual rehab, all sorts of things. Um, but I don't feel like I'm dying and that's really cool. Right. Like, you know, I had a birthday recently and it, it's really cool to know you're going to probably make your birthday unless there's some freak accident. Whereas I had years where I was just like, okay, just get to that next birthday. Just, that was like, that was the mark in my head of like, okay, just survive to that next birthday, just survive. So it feels like a privilege to just have a birthday go by and be like, oh, well, that was nice. And then just move on versus being like, oh, I can't believe I made it. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. That's kind of my background and like where I've been last few years when we were talking about. And right now I am eight and a half months pregnant. Um, yeah, which is so exciting and also terrifying. This will be my first child. And uh, dealing with all of the conversations around like, what is it going to be like to be a disabled mom? You know, I can't drive. What's it going to be like to be the mom in a rural area that can't drive your kid to all the soccer practices or all the doctor's appointments and have to kind of figure out all those things, um, dealing with that. But other than that, I feel really lucky that my body's made it this far and it's doing incredible things. Yeah. For sure. When you were announced that you were pregnant, I like felt so much joy yeah. for like you and just everything you've been through. And I, you announced it as like, um, Miss Julianne's going to have a new backup singer or something yes. like that. And I was like, how, how perfect, like how on brand. Oh, I know. Yeah. We'll hear some cute little giggles in the background from now on and they'll all be my baby. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. But even that's that, excited. such a, you know, just having kids in this space, right? In this entertainment space is I am every day asking myself, how much visibility is he going to have in mm -hmm. this? How much of his voice is going to be in this? Trying to protect him. Um, 
yeah, as AI evolves and all of these things evolve, it's every day I'm asking myself these questions. Like, am I so excited to share my child with the world? Yes, but I'm also a mom or will be, you know, and it's, there's a lot of fear around that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine because that's a conversation that I feel like has always been ongoing in the age of media and specifically social media. Um, And you see people kind of change their tune over time, which is fine. Like you need to adapt for what your family needs. And I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer, but I'm sure you'll find works for you. Yeah, absolutely. And just figuring all that out. So yeah, so those are the things. And then we've got a big, big project that I'm releasing right now, which I'm so excited to talk to your listeners about. Yeah, tell them, tell them what's going on. Okay, so if you've been listening, you know that I've been working on an album for quite some time and it's a resilience based album. So I've been trying to create essentially like a musical guide to help parents and families and teachers train kids, the core resilience skills that they need to survive basically the unsurvivable, right? Like those moments that are make or break moments for people or just the everyday stress and challenge of life. What are the core skills that we need And I have like written and rewritten and then gone back to the research and right like this. I have, it's been like a four year process. Um, I almost feel like it's a dissertation at this point. It's like a musical dissertation. Yes. Of like, how can we help kids break intergenerational traumas? How can we do that? Right. Just at the same time, we're learning our ABCs. How can we learn how to develop these core resilience skills? Yeah. And okay, how do I put this thought into words? For anyone who doesn't know, you have a background as a music therapist. Yes. As a board certified music therapist. So you're mentioning like the research. So you're tying in the research, you're tying in your experiences as a music therapist, as a very accomplished musician, as a future mom, as someone who has worked with kids and worked with kids specifically with a trauma background, like all of that is so niche and you have brought it together to make such a beautiful product. You know, I don't love using that word, but like it, it, the album is amazing. Thank and you. <laughs> just like you said, it's like we can use this alongside learning the ABCs because, right. you know, why do we use music to learn right. the ABCs? Because it yeah. helps us remember. So, of course, we should use music to learn coping skills <laughs> and like how to be resilient and how to work together with others. And that's a no brainer. Right. But people aren't doing that quite yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way my theory, you know, when I really think about why it's so important to do this with music versus just do this with conversations or, you know, um, is, you know, when we think about what happens in the brain, when we are under stress, especially chronic stress, our prefrontal cortex down regulates and shuts down. We're not thinking and reasoning properly. And a lot of these resilience skills are some of those prefrontal cortex abilities, right? Mm -hmm. And if we are constantly down-regulating our prefrontal cortex from stress in our environment, stress in our home, microaggressions, whatever it is, we're not able to access 
all of those reasoning skills that we're going to need to help us build resilience. Um, and so, or, or just handle those traumas, right? Just handle those, those challenges. And so, you know, as a music therapist, we know that when we use music to learn physical skills, language skills, all sorts of things, we encode it differently in our brain when there's music involved, right? So instead of language just being stored in the Broca's area or whatever, we're throwing it all over the brain. And so my, or or like same with movement, right? We know with someone who had a stroke, we can like kind of regain these movement patterns by storing them with music, by learning them with music and they're stored all over the brain. And we know that, you know, we can work with dementia patients who have lost a lot of cognitive function, but they can still sing the songs from their childhood and access language and meaning that way. And so my thought process is, okay, what if we have songs that are so simple and easy and the messages are just so clear that guide us to ask ourselves the questions that we need to handle a trauma? So, you know, for example, who do I go to right now? As simple as that. Who am I going to go to? Um, or where am I safe? right? Like, where are my safe spaces? Those simple, simple questions. If we can ingrain it in our brain the same way that we do the ABCs or these childhood nursery rhymes, then my thought is that when stress happens or trauma happens and we can't necessarily access that prefrontal cortex, we're still going to be able to access those regulation skills because they're going to be stored all over the brain with music right? Yes. So yes. that that's kind of the whole point of making it a musical guide versus just an activity book or uh, a lesson or, or something like that. Like have it be, music has to be involved in order mm-hmm. for it to be accessible during those moments of stress. I was thinking the word accessible, but for the opposite. Because music is something that we engage with like all throughout the day, all throughout our lives when we're not stressed. So um, engaging with your songs, you know, when we're in the car or when we're calm or just yeah, at random times throughout the day. Yeah. And then you're able to access them internally when you are in those stressed when situations. You need it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're, you're making it like so transferable from one state to another. Yeah. Like these songs aren't necessarily just meant for like when your child is at their worst regulated Mm. state, right? It's like the time to put it on is not when they're like in the middle of meltdown. The time to put it on is when they're calm, when they're regulated, they can learn those skills. And then the time, you know, when maybe they are dysregulated, you can cue them with those musical triggers if you need to, Mm -hmm. you know, even just humming the melody is going to cue some of those like, oh yeah, who do I go to right now? Who do I go to when I need some support? Um, yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of the idea and that's how we learn. Yeah. And I'm like picturing an, like what an amazing tool for parents, you know, yeah. to play this in the car and then to be able to use it or a teacher, like you said, like they're very, very accessible tool for people to use. Uh, and I'm even thinking I work at a therapeutic day school and if my kids were familiar with these songs, I could use those musical triggers all the time. Because uh, sometimes when they are in a crisis state and I, you know, 
have a guitar or like do something musical to them it's it's jarring mm. <laughs> they're not always super welcome to it yeah um but if it was something that they were already familiar with and knew like this is going to be applicable when I'm in that crisis state does that make sense yeah. like they can yeah. also put that together yes yeah and that's the whole point is like we're teaching them these skills as young as possible so that way when they're 16, 17, 18 or 30 or 40 or 50 and something happens to them, it's, they have all those skills accessible because they, we can only really learn them in that calm state, right? Like that's the, that's the time when we are learning. So yeah, it's, it's to be used throughout, right? Like throughout the highs and the lows, and that's going to make these skills most accessible um, and memorable. It's going to encode the best that way. Yeah. So do you want to talk more about like this psych aspect of it? Or do you want to talk about the musicality of it? Because the songs are like super deep. Um, well, let's, yeah, we, let's go into that. Let's just not. talk about the music itself for a moment. Yeah. Because I, I thank you for letting me listen to the album. There mm-hmm. is... Uh, one of the songs has been released at this point, if people want to find it. Yep. I am enough, which I really, it's it for me in my mind, this is like the back to school anthem that I really wish I had as a child. Yeah. I really, really wish I had. And just like my life anthem that I wish I had. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, in listening to all of the songs, you mentioned like simple songs that are very accessible that the, you know, the brain can process. But while I was listening to them, Every single one caught my attention for different reasons and none of them felt like very superficial musicality wise. There was, they were in depth. You had like different genres. Mm -hmm. Um, You incorporated different voices. Like the musicality that you put into the album, I feel like is also worth recognizing because sometimes children's music, even with such a deep message can be like very superficial musically yes yeah and that was something I really thought a lot about so Stephanie Level and I Stephanie from Music for Kiddos we talk a lot about this Mm. right like having music that doesn't necessarily always fit a standard drama I mean a a standard genre right Uh, because I think in our minds we are creating music for the kids and part of it is like I also want this album to be for every kid from every neighborhood and every walk of life. And, and that's hard to do, right? Mm. Cause you can't necessarily make music that's going to please everyone. And I wanted different age groups to be able to find some songs that were accessible to them. So there are some songs in there that you might listen to and be like, yeah, this is perfect for a preschooler. And there are some songs in there that you might say, oh, this is perfect for a middle schooler or just there's a developmental range, which I really mm. like. Because I think also within the music, um, I think there are going to be a lot of questions for parents that are going to be hitting them, questions they've probably never been asked before. So I really wanted to create something that was intergenerationally thought-provoking and accessible. So yeah, the genres are a little bit all over the place. (laughs) Um, In general, though, there's a bit of like a folk I would say it's it's like yeah. there's a folk background, there's a little pop in there, there's um, a hip hop folk bluegrass uh, mashup, which I don't think it's literally ever been done before in the history of 
of music, but I had this dream of making that one happen and it was beautiful. So it is beautiful. I love it. We should do more of those. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, go ahead. No, I was going to say thank you for saying that about the music because we worked really hard um, uh, to our detriment in a, in a sense where the entertainment industry really, really likes to put you in one genre and mm. they get really mad when you're not one genre, when they can't just be like, she's folk, she's bluegrass, she's pop, yeah. right? They get really, really confused and upset about that. Uh, but that's okay. I'm okay with making people angry sometimes. Yeah. I guess I've never thought about the like music industry side mm. of what you do. I don't know if you want to touch on that, but yeah, well, this has been something that Stephanie Level and I have been really, I'm so grateful to have her in my life because we are kind of exploring it together, right? Because you have, there are the music therapists in the kids music world, um, and which is different than um, the children's music entertainment industry Mm. right and there are a lot of gatekeepers there's you know if you want to actually make money in these fields you kind of have to like fit into these cookie cutter situations and um it's it's really hard to navigate especially when you still have this kids first goal over producer listening goal right adult listener goal right mm-hmm. now there's a lot of like I call it like easy listening for families music ha- being created where it's like kid topics but developmentally appropriate for adults and where it's not really engaging the children at all it's just a kid friendly song um, but you know as music therapists our goal is engagement right because that's where the magic happens. That's where the learning happens. That's where the growth happens. So sometimes it can be difficult to combine that, right? If you want to make money in the children's industry, you have to find that balance between the adult gatekeepers that will determine whether or not you're going to go on the radio or go on the playlist, which is how you're going to make your money versus the kid listeners. That's going to determine whether or not they actually like the music, right? it's and and have it be useful and utilize as a tool so there's a balance there it's tricky gosh how infuriating I'm so sorry no but that's okay it's also you know I think there's these incredible children's musicians in in this field that we're really pushing back on that and we're creating our own networks and our own audiences and our own platforms to be able to to get music that is can be utilized as a tool a developmental tool um out there and so I think there's hope for it yeah yeah I'm with you hopefully more people see the value in that um getting that engagement kid engagement over yeah just putting something out there to get to get the listens yeah yeah But back to the musicality of the album, um, I just wanted to say, so this, this is a project that obviously I've been working on for so long. And along the way, I would find and just discover these incredible musicians and singers and children's artists. And we were able to do a lot. We did a lot of re-recording, actually, to make sure that all of these people were involved 
uh, and that fiddle, right? There's like this incredible fiddle that happens throughout the album. And that was this local incredible woman named Audrey, who I saw at a wedding once and was just like, I need you on all of my album, right? Like her and her personality. <laughs> and she just came in and recorded beautiful music. Um, there's There's so much beautiful music involved in these simple messages Mm. yes yes and as a musician and specifically as a music therapist it can be really isolating like music can start to feel really isolating so how wonderful for you that you were able to surround yourself by other musicians oh yeah like feel inspired and to actually collaborate I miss that so much Oh, absolutely. That is, I say that all the time. I'm like, I just need a jam band of adults where I can make music with all the time. And just because it feels us, right? Like that is, it's an energy battery kind of situation, especially as music therapists, we are, um, we are kind of like putting out so much energy. If there's like a, a battery, right? I like to think of it as like, we are creatively giving so 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 much to our clients and they're giving stuff creatively to us too but we are usually the guiders of that creativity we have to kind of hold the musical space for that yeah and that takes a lot of energy and when you're doing that all day there's not that you don't have that creative energy to make the music you need to do to recharge that battery that we all grew up doing as musicians in our bands or in our choruses or whatever it is. Um, So that's almost in my mind, like one of that great things about my medical leave that I had, Mm -hmm. right. As like, as terrible as it was and as stuck in bed as I was and as miserable as I was, it gave me creative space to be able to not just make music for my clients, but to make music with a bigger general goal that was fulfilling for me and for the kids I wanted to wanted it to be for. Yeah. Yeah. It was less of like making musical band-aids and more of like like stopping the the I don't want to get too graphic, but you know, stopping the gush of water or like, you know, turning off the the hose pipe. Like what kind of music can I make to turn off this hose pipe of trauma? Versus just trying to keep putting band-aids over the leaks or something. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what it is because you are hoping that kids learn to build the skills so that even when they experience trauma, they're able to process and cope with it. So at least in my mind, we're not having as many adults (laughs) who are unpacking all of this childhood crap. Um, because they've learned the tools along the way. It's yeah. not like um band-aid, I guess. It's not like a band-aid as an adult. Like you're you're starting, yeah. you're starting it sooner. Yeah. Keep in mind, like Which, the band-aids we get as adults too are like six therapy visits a year covered by insurance. Yeah. Like for a lot of people, that's all that's all they get, right? Like they don't get to have converse they they don't live in a community of therapists who are talking them yeah. through their daily traumas or whatever it is, their, their daily stresses. Like most people don't have that community surrounding them. So the band-aids we get as adults too are pretty terrible band-aids. Yes. 
And if I had not gone into a therapy setting and a therapeutic career, I wouldn't know coping skills. Yeah. I yeah. would not have heard what self-care was. Yes. I would like, I feel like I'm still learning how to process my emotion. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? That like that kind of stuff. And we are trying to teach kids how to do that when we're yeah. learning how to do it as adults. Yeah. And really, I think where the change is going to happen too is when we're teaching kids and their parents at the same yes. time. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like, I, there are some of these songs I've listened to with some older people in my life. Um, and we'll put it that way, different generation. And I remember, so, so there's a whole song about support. There's a lot of songs mm -hmm. about connection and support on this album because they are some of the best buffers of the neurological trauma that can happen from, sorry, neurological impacts that can happen from trauma. If we have strong connections and strong support systems, that's like our top resilience skill. And so there's this whole song where the chorus is like, I feel so much better now because you, you played with me. Right. And that's, that'll be a single actually coming out. Um, if this comes out on Wednesday, so it'll be coming out on Friday. So look for that, everyone. But there was an older gentleman in my life that was like, okay, I really, really like this song. I really, really like the messages, but do you have to use the word support? If that word just feels so icky, it's just like, oh God, this is why I'm making this album. Right. Yeah. Like there's been so, so much stigmatized. I can't even say the word right now. I'm sorry. Stigma surrounding needing support that even mm -hmm. the word for a certain generation can feel uncomfortable and icky. And how nice would it be if we had a generation where we didn't have to feel icky about a thanking someone for their support. We didn't have yeah. to feel shame in that. And it could be yes. celebrated and then two, where we could ask for it without shame and knowing that we were being strong by doing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of a specific older person also in my life, <laughs> different generation, who um, keeps getting hurt. <laughs> physically because they will not ask for help and weekly daily I say to them hey let me know when you need something all the time like you know just shoot me a text yeah call me yeah. whatever um and the only reason now that they do reach out to me is because they physically cannot do things anymore because they did not ask for support soon enough Sooner. and have really hurt themselves yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, part of that was all because there are many messages like that in this album, right? There's a whole song called Help Me, which is like this yes. disco funk, like folky disco. I don't know. It's so much fun. You can't help but dance to it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, asking for help was so hard for me along my my own chronic illness journey. And I really wish I had had the strength to ask for help sooner because I think I would have not um, develop so much neurological damage if I had mm. had the strength and hadn't had so much shame around asking for help, right? Like, and 
I mean, even little kids, like we shame them for asking for help. It, it's like, it's so sad. We have to stop this cycle. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a song, the one I'm doing with Lori Berkner on the album. So Lori Berkner is a feature on this album, everyone, Woo-hoo. which was a dream come true for me. <laughs> and she's on this song called, um, Who Are the People You Go To? And it's just identifying your support system. It is so simple. It's one that if you can know three chords, if you know C, F, and G, right, on the ukulele or whatever, you can put it in whatever key you want, but it's just that simple one, four, five song. Um, you don't even need to play it with an instrument, right? It's so simple. But in it, you just you just identify the people that you go to. And again, with I, I try this with everyone, right? Like, who do you go to? Like, I'll play the song. They're like, okay, now, now your turn. Who do you go to? We're going to put in the song. And it's always with this older generation. They're like, oh, 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 ah, ah. Right? They like, they've never even been asked that question before. They've never thought through that process. And every once yeah. in a while, you get these older men, generally, that will say something like, I don't go to anyone. I don't need help. I, I can I can fix my own problems, right? It's like this the cycle and and you know unfortunately those are also usually the people who have substance abuse issues or mm. are perpetrating domestic violence uh, right like they do need to regulate they do need support but instead of choosing to connect or regulate through healthy coping skills their body forces them to regulate through violence or substances and like this is the ultimate thing is that the body's always going to regulate we can't stop that right it's going to seek regulation and it's either going to seek it from healthy coping skills or it's going to seek it from maladaptive coping skills right like if there's either way your body's going to find regulation and we Mm -hmm. just want to help people as young as possible develop the neurological pathways to first seek those healthy, supportive coping skills that build resilience versus these maladaptive behaviors that ultimately um, make us weaker, right? And make us more sensitive and more likely to be triggered. So, yes. yeah. As you're saying that, I'm like thinking of some of my students of course. and literally watching that play out in their heads. Yeah. <laughs> Where they're, you know, they're not regulated in the classroom. And it's like, okay, like, you have a choice right now. Are you going to take a break or are you going to throw that desk at me? Right. <laughs> like it's your choice. Yes. Which one are we going to choose? Yeah. And these are, the thing is, is that every time like we choose a maladaptive behavior that also like strengthens these pathways. And so we yes. want to like, that's why it's also so important to do these interventions as young as possible. Because like, yes. what if like, instead of throwing the chair, your first intervention that you started to learn from a young age was like, to ask for a hug. Boom. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a different, this is a different planet now we would be looking at. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, can I, there was another song. Yes, you got a power, a power so strong. You can help others with your gratitude song. When you tell someone, I appreciate you. the parts that stuck out to me were you have the power and it was about expressing gratitude and how that makes other people feel joy. And I was like, Oh my 
gosh, like I, that's something I've definitely needed to hear of like how much of a positive impact you can have on someone else by like showing them that you appreciate them or by showing them that you have gratitude for things yeah. and that they can also choose to see like and have gratitude for things and what a power that is like it it can totally change the environment or like the dynamic of a group setting and that's a research-based choice right so instead of me yeah. making a song being like I'm grateful for this and I'm grateful for that we know in the research that's not actually a very effective gratitude practice. What mm. is a gratitude practice is when we are receiving gratitude from yeah. others. That's what fills our brain with all the dopamine and all these feel good hormones and how we feel connected. Mm -hmm. But that's not something we can necessarily control. We can't be like, Hey, I'm feeling low. Can you express some gratitude? <laughs> right. Yeah. Can you like tell me how much you love me? And and that is something that people do, right? And kind of there's like attention seeking behaviors where you're you're yes. looking for people to validate you and your existence and your worthiness. But where the research really shows we get the most benefit is when we are naturally receiving that from others. Mm -hmm. Um, and so why it's important to express our gratitude is because we are giving that to others and they need that. Other people need that. And then when we express that gratitude to them, they feel more connected to us. And they're also probably more likely to over time express their gratitude to who it's like this pay it forward kind of system. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, you know, besides for just receiving gratitude, the other thing you can do is, um, observe situations where someone was helping someone else out in a kind of life-changing way or listening to stories about when someone was helping someone else out, those also kind of release those neurological pathways that make us feel good and feel connected. So as a gratitude practice, I like to recommend instead of just listening to things that you're grateful for, which is, you know, that is not not important, but going the extra mile and making sure that you are expressing it to others because you're essentially, um, it's almost like depositing in the bank, right? The good karma mm. bank. Mm -hmm. And it, but it has to be genuine. That's the other thing is that yeah. our brains can sense when it is not genuine and it does not have the impact. Um, yes. The gratitude practice song. I love that one. And yeah, all of the songs are research-based, right? Like that was so important to me that yeah. everything I could back up and be like, no, this is why the song's important and this is why it's on there. And this is why we have to have discussions around it. Yes. I So that specifically like expressing the gratitude and genuinely, I'm thinking of, um, I have a colleague who's a classroom teacher and whenever I leave her classroom, um, like at the end of the class or whatever, I will say like, you know, thank you. That's kind of like, you know, rethink our teacher or whatever. But I will usually say something like, I appreciate you or something like that. And at first it seemed like, hmm, that's probably kind of intimate and it might make her uncomfortable, but she says it back. And so like we have mm. this mutual thing going back and forth and then it models for the students yeah. that like, oh, you can say things like that to people without it being uncomfortably intimate. Like it can just be a normal practice. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And you, so you bring up a great point here too. Okay. So like one of the best ways to teach kids resilience skills is to role model it ourselves. 
Hmm. So I can have a, like, I can have these discussions with kids, but who do you go to? But unless their parents are not role modeling that at home, like that's not going to, or if they're not seeing examples of it from adults on a daily basis, it's not going to hit as hard. So I think, uh, or like, you know, be as impactful. So I think if, if we really want a real change, like we as adults have to push ourselves to ask these hard questions of ourselves and to use these coping skills and to talk through it with our kids when we're using these coping skills, right? So I very much plan on with my child from birth on, right? Even still now he's in my belly and I'll be like, hey, buddy, I'm feeling upset right now. So I'm going to call my friend, right? Like, and, and and talking through that and, you know, or with your spouse or whatever, be like, hey, I'm having some big feelings. Let me take some space and think through this Mm -hmm. and then I'll get back to you, right? Like Mm -hmm. we have to vocalize this with our kids. We can't just do these resilient actions. Um, I really want to encourage all of these parents to vocalize and talk through and walk through them with their kids when they're using these tools for themselves or teachers or any adults in a child life, in a child's life. Yeah. And hence like the multi-generational part of, of the album is to have adults recognize this while they're engaging with the music with their kids Yeah, for them to, yeah, make those steps themselves. I'm thinking of like my own childhood and I grew up in like a very stable, supportive family. Um, but I don't know that my parents ever modeled self-regulation. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, everything's fine. Everything's like fine. Very, yeah. And even baseline. like if your parents were fighting, you'd be like, wait, what's wrong? They'd be like, everything's fine. We're just having a discussion. And you're like, I don't know. This does not feel fine well, or safe. Even beyond that, like I wouldn't witness any part of the discussion. Mm. So I like never, mm. never saw never the had that modeled and, and never like, saw that resolution. To... Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of just like, oh, this is a thing I do. And I try to do that with my students. Like, hey, you know, like, I'm a little upset, so I'm going to go sit over there. If you need me, I'm there, but I just need some space or, you know, grabbing a fidget or like doing whatever, Um, trying to make that like very bold and obvious for them, but not in a way that seems disingenuine. Right. It has to be always, it has to be genuine, right? Like kids are the best foolproof lie detectors in the whole world. Yes, they are. Right. (laughs) They're so good at that. I remember I have this niece who's just so intuitive. Right. And I remember um, being upset at a family party about something that someone said to me or whatever the situation was. And I was like trying so hard to hold it in and just numbing, right. Dissociating, numbing, 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 Mm -hmm. numbing, doing everything I could to not cry in front of my whole family. And my niece, you know, I'm like, oh, wait, we're away from everyone. My niece comes over and she's like, what's wrong, auntie? <laughs> and I'm just like, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. She's like, that's not true. And then I just, <laughs> right? Like, no, like, don't, don't mess around. And, you know, they can tell. Um, and that's okay. Like also learning to be okay as adults showing our emotions and to children. And that is actually really important for them to see. You know, we, we don't want them to see us rage all the time necessarily because we don't want to make them feel unsafe. But even if you are upset, yeah. it's so important to be able to express that and to express that they their connection with you is still safe, right? Yeah. So there's that whole song. There's the lullaby on this album with Stephanie Lovell, who's got the most beautiful voice in the whole world. Um, that song is all about 
expressing our love to children, helping children feel safe, even when the parent does not feel good and happy and joyful and instead maybe having a dark, challenging time. And that is something that I really wish as a kid I had understood that like my parents' conflicts did not affect whether or not I was safe or loved. It was never kind of explained to me that way. So there was just a lot of conflict in my household growing up. And that was all processed in my body as I'm not safe, I'm not secure, and I'm not attached, right? It's like, mm-hmm. like the attachment is not safe here. Um, yes. Whereas I really wish every child could know from a young age that like, okay, even when mom is mad or when when someone's yelling or whatever, like when someone's having a hard day, that does not mean they do not love me. And it does not mean that I am not safe. Yeah. So yeah, if you're a parent, I really recommend taking a listen to that lullaby. For sure. And the whole album. Yeah, the whole album. Which will be out. I don't know if we mentioned yet, but it'll the whole album will be out on September 22nd. Yeah. And I'm due September 23rd. So I let's just see what happens there. I, that's what I thought when I saw the timing. So you're just birthing it all at the same time. Well, you know, getting pregnant was a really big incentive for me to finish this album. I think I probably could have kept going and going and going, but I really wanted yeah. to close one chapter to open another. Yes. And so literally like when I realized I was pregnant, I was like, okay, I have to set a date for this album. It has to, it's just, okay, I got nine months. Let's go. All right. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about I Am Enough? I know we mentioned that. It's already out yeah. as a single right now. Even if I'm the worst, I do it all again. Because I know if I try and try. One, I just really want to make sure that people take a listen to, um, besides for just being this kind of feel good mantra in my pre, like when I send it out to all my, my pre-listeners, like the feedback I get back from this song has shown me how much more powerful I even thought it could be. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of adults, particularly adult women who are coming back to me, um, you know, I think there are some messages in the song that I really want us to think about. <laughs> and and I I wrote this song for me, right? So I was um probably at some of my lowest moments with Lyme disease where I really felt like a burden on my family and on society. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I was suicidal, but I would say that shame of being a burden was so powerful that I definitely thought through many times, like, oh, it'd be so much easier if I just were not here, mm-hmm. right? Um, so much easier for everyone in my life. And that's really hard, right? And we know that suicide 
is one of the top causes of death for teenagers right now. Rates are kind of rising <clears throat> and in the chronic illness world. And I think there's like a systemic deficiency in feeling like, like we are worthy unless we are producing. Mm. And maybe this is like just the, the symptom of living in a capitalistic society, but you know, if, if we are not the helper, if we are not, especially as therapists, right. And like really empathetic humans, if we are not the helper, if we are not constantly having like these creative outputs, um, it can feel, if, you know, for me, I was really like, am I even worthy of this food right now? Right. Like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not contributing enough to be worthy of this love that people are giving me or whatever it is. It was really, really hard for me to handle. And the turning point for me in that kind of mental illness journey for myself was writing this song and um, kind of that one day, these words kind of coming out of, out of me and just summarizing all these things um, and then kind of translating it into things that are more applicable for, for children and adults, right? Like this is a, one of those songs. Um, but I just want your listeners to kind of hear the meaning of the song. Um, Cause the, the whole idea of it is that you don't have to be number one, right. Mm. To be worthy of love of the air you breathe of the food you eat. You don't have to ace every test or some of the words like you don't, you don't, like these are all things that you're inherently worthy of. You just are worthy of your air, your food, and your love, and all the love that people give you. Um, and when we can start there, then maybe um, we'll know that we are inherently worthy of help too when we need it. Mm. So yeah, I really hope everyone will take a listen to that song. Yeah, I and that's sung by the kids. Point. Like that is. 99% there's this incredible kids choir from Pittsburgh. I flew out to Pittsburgh. I'd always dreamed of the song being sung by a kids choir. Yeah. I flew out to Pittsburgh and we, um, there is this incredible choir, um, at Propel schools recording, no Propel schools, performing arts Academy. And this is an incredible group of kids. And they made, um, this song happen. Really. They sang it so beautifully. And, with so much love and there's going to be this incredible music video coming out really shortly to go along with it. So I really hope uh, you guys can take a listen to that one. Yeah. I'll have it linked so that people can find it. And I'm thinking you said like, this is the back to school anthem. Yes. Um, yeah. I might just like have it playing in my classroom. Yes. In, you know, yeah. like what happens? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. That's awesome. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the work you're doing and um all the time and effort and consideration that you've put into this album thanks yeah so one thing i will say is um for your listeners if they are interested in using this album more as a tool like stay tuned to my social media at miss julian music sign up for my newsletter i'm going to be sending out a lyric book a free lyric book that Ooh. um is beautiful <laughs> i spent a lot of time i'm putting together um, and then I'm also going to be putting out a chord book, right? So if you want the chords, I'm going to be putting out kind of like a companion activity book. This was just all slowly be coming over time as I'm, you know, recovering from giving birth <laughs> and, and things. Um, 
but just stay tuned because I'm going to have a lot of supplemental materials to help you use these materials, these songs in your classrooms, at home, wherever. Yeah, I love that. Making it even more accessible for people who, you know, otherwise would just have a song. Yeah. And right. That's the hope is I want to make it as easy as possible to use the songs so that we can use them as systemically as possible across the world so that we can actually start making change. Um, right. Turn off, turn off the hose versus just putting band-aids on the yes. intergenerational trauma cycle. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> claps, 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 yeah. claps. Anything else you want to dive into before the rapid fire? Um, also just people know that I'm accessible, right? Aww. Reach out on my social media. And um, I'm really, I'm so passionate about this. I'm excited to present. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to do whatever is possible to get these messages out there. So if you're someone who's like, oh man, I've, I've got a great platform to share this information on, like, please reach out because you know, the goal of my next year is really just to disseminate this information in whatever way possible. I spend a lot of time learning it. Um, I don't want it to just disappear, right? Like these are skills yeah. that I really want kids to learn. So I'm really passionate about it. Reach out. Yeah. Perfect. Well, all of your stuff will be linked. Um, do you want to do that now or save it to the end where people can find you? Let's save it to the end. Or, or right. okay, sorry, I was, I was confused there for a moment. I was like, wait, what? Uh, I That's guess I, I can just say really quickly. So on Instagram, I'm at Miss sure. Julianne Music. Mm -hmm. uh, so M I S S J U L I E A N N. So my name is spelled a little weird. I'll sing it to you, actually. It makes it easier. I have my little theme M I S S J U L I E A N N. And I'll sing it one more time because I don't remember. M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E-A-N-N. -N. So at Miss Julian Music. Um, yeah, that's like probably the easiest way to find me. But I also have, you know, MissJulian.com is my website. And I'm pretty Googleable at this point. Yes. Love that. All right. Ready for the rapid fire? Yeah. Mm -hmm. See if your answers have changed at all. Ooh. Coffee or tea? Oh, still tea. Early bird or night owl? Mm. I think I'm still somewhere in the middle, although pregnancy has made me much more of an early bird than usual. Mm. I wonder if um, having a new bird will change that. I know. You know, it's so funny. I wake up starving each morning. So it's that that's kind of the incentive. It's like that's the alarm. Could, yeah, that's the alarm is a baby kicking and I'm starving. And I can like hear his thoughts in my head. He's like, I'm so hungry. Please feed me. Please feed me. Please feed me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, let's get up. Let's go have a little acorn muffin. Love that. Your favorite way to care for yourself? Oh, right now it is uh, rest and sleep and swimming. Swimming is my only physical activity I feel good doing at the moment because physically I'm carrying quite a bit extra weight on uh, everywhere. So yeah. swimming feels so beautiful. Your favorite way to care for others? Oh, I like to cook for people that I really love. And if I ever give you an acorn anything, that is pretty much me professing my undying love forever. 
I love that. <laughs> Come on over. I'll make you some acorn br- muffins and brownies and we'll have a good Thank time. You. Yes. And jam from locally foraged berries or something. Yeah. And we live so close, actually. Your listeners don't know this, but we live like probably half hour from each other. Yeah, so, like, probably. We, yes. We're just, this is, we'll have a part four or three or whatever at some point and we'll be just be eating acorn brownies and cookies and it'll be wonderful yes and there will be a newborn and there'll be a newborn <laughs> singing in the background that's why that's what i'm that's what i'm considering his cries at this point it's like she's gonna be singing he's just gonna be yeah. singing there'll be a lot of music in the house which is fine yep. just vocalizations yeah yep that's all the singing is yep something that's currently adding value to your life Oh, my community. I like Christ when I even start thinking about it, like how my, my family, my friends, my husband, this, I feel like I'm the luckiest. I'm going to cry, but I feel like I am literally the luckiest person alive with the community I have in this world. I just can't even, I cannot believe I have been connected with so many incredible people. I'm tearing up everyone. You can't see it, but like, I just, I cannot believe I got so lucky to have the people in my life that I do yeah way to express gratitude yeah yeah and it's very genuine <laughs> and I really really yeah. really feel that yeah yeah beautiful what is something you tell your younger self God you are worthy and you are enough I would sing that song to myself yes yes all right will you please reintroduce yourself without using any words or terms that describe how you care for others so nothing like mother yeah compassionate none of those I am a joyful creative that shines bright and wants to oh that's all helping people like just wants to share right like um no I think I'm a joyful bright creative person who loves life a lot enough so to fight to survive right like enough so yeah yeah well said all right the last one is where listeners can find you and connect with you but we did that yeah we did that okay unless you have any closing thoughts i love you all thank you so much everyone right all your listeners right just i love you And I want you to survive and I want you to share your light with everyone in this whole planet. And I want you to have the energy to do so. And I want you to have the strength to do so. And when you need light from others, I want you to have the energy and strength to ask for it. Well said. Yeah. Thank you for coming back on the show and sharing your lights and sharing your amazing music with everyone. Thank you. And I hope it's useful.
Thank you so much for spending your time with me and Julianne today. I, like I've said, enjoy connecting with her every time. Um, I learn so much from her and I'm so glad that she's finally able to put out this amazing album into the world so that people could connect with it. They can learn from it. I can't wait to see the far reaching impact that I know it will have. Um, and she's just doing really great things in, you know, our small local community and also the world at large through this amazing music. So follow the links in the show notes to find Julianne online, jump on her newsletter, um, subscribe to it so that you get all the additional content she'll be putting out in conjunction with this album and keep an eye out for her whole album release on September 22nd. If you're enjoying this podcast, please feel free to leave a five-star review. Those really help the podcast to be more visible, and I so appreciate your support. Please consider subscribing to our newsletter at care-chronicles.com so that you never miss any important announcements. Follow us on social media at care-chronicles, and until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Mm -hmm.